0: Hey, welcome back everybody. Time once again for another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. With that masked man behind the mic, man who wears a mask even to bed. That's this guy takes it seriously, Matt Heinz.
1: Well, this is it's scary that you know all this, Paul. First of all, <laughs> hello. Um, welcome to almost the second half of January. If yes. You can believe it. I am behind the mic finally again, like literally for the last few episodes, my old mic died. That's like five years of podcasting and yeah. finally gave up. Yeah,
0: it got coronavirus, and it expired. And it my old expired. mask
1: got sick. Right. Uh, my old mask. My old mic got sick. <laughs> so literally, Jason, I our I, I, I guest today, I, I've been holding my webcam like as a handheld microphone, turning the video off, obviously, but then holding yeah. that just so I can get it closed is very awkward. We day. need we to are... have you turn the mic a little
0: <laughs> bit more so it faces your mouth because you're talking into the side of it.
1: How about that? Is that better?
0: A little better. Yeah. It wants right. to, it wants to, it well, wants so to, to get close mind, to you. I'm
1: still trying to figure out how to make it work better. And then the mask, like I do wear one. I got, the, I got the CPAP thing now. I'm getting old wow, and wow. my wife is sick of the snoring. This is way too much. information for <laughs> I do wear a mask to bed.
0: See, I knew I this. Better. I snore I, you don't think, you don't think we're up on you. We follow everything to do with Matt Hines here. We know everything about you. Your just guest true. no. We'll your guest is anything. the one that told me this. He told me that you do this. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. no. we not
1: talk about anything on Sales Pipeline Radio. Literally anything. <laughs> um, so Up next uh, well, to
2: Sales Pipeline TV, we just follow your day to day life, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no,
1: I'm, just, I'm just gonna start wearing one of those like GoPros. <laughs> on a, 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 <laughs> yeah. On chrome dome here. You get to see everything. And it's, I, think it's, so. I guarantee you, it is not exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got an exciting guest with you. Who did you bring today? Well, very exciting guests. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. I hope you can hear me fine. We're uh, warming up the new mic here, but excited to have you all join us. If you are joining us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you very much for making us part of your work day. And if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for checking us out. Thank you for discovering. Thank you to all of our loyal listeners who continue to download and listen here five plus years in. And uh, if you are new to the podcast, if you like the format, if you like what we're talking about, we got a lot more of this. We got hundreds of past episodes up available for you on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Every week, we're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. And today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have with us from the hinterlands of Montana,
2: Jason Yarbarro. Yarby, how are we doing? Hey, man, I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I know that you are also trying to lean into a new year you have a new job you have a new baby well not a new new baby but you have a child you're chasing around the house with another new baby on the way so you are Correct. a busy, busy man i appreciate
2: you taking in, time to do this. in a new house so it's yeah. a whole the whole new world here
1: all of the new things it's a lot i mean how so let, let's start there i mean how are you doing all of that like new job new house pending baby still with coronavirus out there like how do you how do you balance getting all the stuff done
2: we don't leave this room right <laughs> now i've got got a great uh, partner in crime my wife samantha who you know we team up very well we uh got a great little guy we both started new jobs during all this and we both love our jobs so i think that helps out a lot and we just have a lot of fun doing all the things that we get to do we're very fortunate
1: oh that's that's good to hear Now i think we all for in this orbit, we do have a lot of advantage and it's easy to take that for granted sometimes. And I have had a chance to work with your lovely wife. I actually had a phone call with her this morning in her new capacity. And, you know, most of the time we talk about someone's better half and it's just sort of like a nice, polite thing to say, I think in this case, Yarby, I love you, but yes, better half, you did well.
2: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I feel like I hear that every day now because we're kind of all in that same lane, same pool and uh, everyone gets a chance to meet her and they're like, oh, wow, it really rings true with better half for you. I'm like, thanks guys, (laughs) appreciate it.
1: Well, I mean, you both are playing in this partner marketing, partner ecosystem world. And that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show today to really talk about what we, you know, as marketers, we focus so much on direct demand gen, direct sales. We focused on sort of this direct line of sight that marketers control. And yet there is so much leverage and opportunity for so many people in their partner ecosystems. It is definitely more complicated. It is definitely less predictable but high maybe risk, but lots of high reward. So, I mean, why is that function so interesting to you? I mean, this is not your first or second rodeo on the partner management side. What about partner marketing is so exciting?
2: Well, there's a lot that excites me about it. First, at the core of it, it allows me to do what I do best. And I think for me, it's building relationships, getting to know people, getting to know how I can provide value to them, at the very core of who i am that's kind of what i stand for right? so I, I thoroughly enjoy that the other piece of it is that it you're involved in all facets of the business right so we sit directly in the middle of sales marketing customer success product it just keeps going round and round and you get a chance to be a part of all facets of the business and for someone like myself who gets bored pretty easy that's a lot of fun so i get a chance to help direct and navigate and facilitate introductions that can help make our product better at Terminus.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of the challenges that some companies have with a partner motion, not only do you have a little less control over it, but it sometimes can take a little more time to get up and rolling. Like, I'm gonna I I go generate some leads, I'm gonna hire some BDRs, I'm gonna quickly build some direct pipeline, The partner ecosystem is a little more complex, but the yield and the efficiency once you get it up and rolling can be really, really advantageous. Talk a little bit about those pros and cons of how companies should think about direct versus indirect, direct versus channel.
2: Yeah, I'm correct if I'm wrong, but when I first kind of got started in this partnership ecosystem, you were one of the first calls that I had because you and I kind of go back to some Oracle days, I believe. And you, you mentioned that you really wanted to get some at bats. And you really wanted to help provide value to what we were doing for our customers. And I I think that right there is kind of what you should be looking at and looking for in a partner and for your company, right? Looking for those people that really want to, to be a help and provide value to what you're doing to make your company, your product better. And that's exactly what partners have the ability to do, right? They're a trusted third party resource. They bring so much validation to what you're doing when you've got BDRs and sales reps hounding these prospects every single day. But when we can bring someone like yourself, and I'm grateful for those opportunities that you've jumped in calls with me on to provide validation to what we're doing, not only in like an ABM space, but with our product as well, that just speaks, you know, so much volume to to what we're building as a company when we can do so with partners.
1: So I like that answer for a lot of reasons, because I think, you know, if you think about your partner ecosystem as a function. I think it's really easy to say, okay, partners equal pipeline. And so you say, okay, like, look, where are the introductions you can make for us? How can you introduce us to your customers, to your clients, to your network, which is important on both sides, but yep. also to think about like, how do we build, you know, how do we take the long game approach to this? How do we sort of build some trust and credibility? How do we leverage each other's expertise to sort of grease some wheels that may not have immediately turn into business, but eventually it does. And I think there's pros and cons there on both sides. There's disadvantages when companies can very transparently say our partner program is really just all about pipeline. Like we just you know, we just want we just want leads from you. And also I think that you know that sometimes the partners that give you the most leads may be doing that without the right context and juice to actually help those convert as well. So there's a balance there between mm-hmm. sort of content and demand, between sort of leveraging and building trust and credibility while also still driving pipeline.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I'll speak to a little bit about that pipeline and I think you'll find that most I think partnership ecosystem programs are kind of built on the backbone of getting PQLs, right? Your partner qualified leads. You know, but for me, I'm trying to look beyond that. And like you said, how can I look more long term down the road and partners sending their leads in, send those PQNs is great, it's great value for us. But if I can't provide value out we're not doing a very good job of building a partnership program here. So for me, it's looking for those opportunities where I can really provide value out. Whether we're doing some sort of co-marketing support with a partner, or we're sending professional services out to a partner, or we're you know making introductions for to help enhance our product just for the sheer sake of getting those at bats, as you call them, to first establish value coming out of the partnership ecosystem in order to get that trust, to build that relationship, to create that ROI.
1: Well, it's a two-way street. I think is what you're absolutely. Practicing. Right. hundred you know, percent.
2: Yep.
1: was though, a two way street. Yeah. I mean, you may ultimately evaluate your program. I had not, for some reason, I had not heard PQL before. It's like, we need more acronyms in B2B. B. I mean, yeah. partner yeah. qualified lead. So you may be measuring based on, okay, how many actual qualified leads do we get? What kind of pipeline, what kind of close business from the partners? Just because that's what you're measuring, what you care the most about, doesn't mean that that can be the exclusively what the motions are that you draw. Right. And I think you and I have both seen partner programs that are very transparently one-sided. Right. They're 100%. all about what can our partners give to us? And they're not thinking about what do the partners really get in return. And unless you think about that other side, and it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be time consuming. It can be fairly small, but very meaningful things. If you, you will have a very short sided, short term partner program that won't have longevity
2: if you aren't you'll just, all the time. You just have a lot of one night stand partners. Yeah. That, that provides no long term value. All,
1: <laughs> um, it it Listen, like, like, like I said, we'll talk about whatever we want here on Sales Pipeline Radio. That's what I was told. <laughs> we do have to take a quick break. we got to pay some bills. We're going to be back with more with Jason Yarborough. He runs the partner ecosystem over at Terminus. We're going to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the balance between partnerships, deals, chicken versus egg. What are some of the things that we're seeing working right now in the partner ecosystem world, especially in B2B? We'll be right back on Sales Pipeline Radio. <laughs> CMOs and marketing leaders have the increasingly complex task of effectively communicating marketing's value to their CEO and board. And as today's markets face growing uncertainties, the need for clear, consistent, and predictable communication will only continue to grow. How do they do it? Read the new research report on marketing's role in the boardroom from Drift, G2, and Heinz Marketing. Get it now at drift.com alignment. That's drift, D-R-I-F-T dot com slash alignment.
0: Back to the man who's never had a one-night stand. He's always in it for the long run, Matt Hines.
1: Yeah, thank you, Paul. And I have with us today on Sales Pipeline Radio, the head of partner marketing ecosystem for Terminus, one of the market's leading ABM platforms, Jason Yarborough. And Jason, excited to have you continue to talk a little bit about Parker Ecosystems. Someone told me once that we were talking about sort of partners and why some partnerships work and some don't. And they said, the problem with most partnerships is that you expect the partnership to drive deals. The reality is deals drive partnerships, right? Right. So it's really sometimes more effective. Instead of creating these big programs and these big initiatives, start very tactical and go get a couple of deals across the line, which will get people's attention, which will show people that you have juice, that you have relationships. And that will help get more attention to say, oh, now let's build a real partnership. How do you think about that in terms of like, you know, we've talked a little bit already about building the overall partnership, but then how do we also stay focused, get focused on deals? What's chicken versus the egg? Which one's the egg?
2: I think it's really, I just had a webinar kind of about this, but identifying kind of the right partner, right? We spend a lot of time focusing on like what our ICP is for a business, but we don't spend a lot of time focusing on what the... IPP is, if we're going acronyms, your ideal partner profile. And you know for me, it's looking at those partners. So you know, I'm coming into a program that had a few partners already. Who's leaned in already? Who's interested and in kind of who's there ready to step into that relationship? And how can you nurture that to the point of getting a win? A win can be, how can they help influence a deal? How can you do some co-marketing with them? How can they best support you in your new role? How can you best support them coming in as a new guy? You know, so it's looking for those small wins out the gate with, with those people that are, are leaned in. And then from there, how do you rinse, wash, repeat?
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, let's talk a little about sort of the, sometimes the mixed nature of working some of those partner ecosystems as well. So you will have partners that are working with you as well as your competitors. We at Heinz Marketing have done great work with you guys at Terminus there are other ABM players out there and there are other agencies out there, right? So, they, right. you know, there isn't, you know, there shouldn't be an expectation that, well, if we're going to work with you guys, you know, you can't work with anybody else that does anything <laughs> like us. And yet you, you, you got to figure out how to, how to tread lightly sometimes around that. What, How do you think about that ecosystem where the lanes cross a little bit?
2: Yeah, that's something that I think about quite often, one that I kind of butted up against last week. But really there's, I mean, as you know, there's really no exclusivity amongst these tech partnerships, right? Everyone's kind of dancing in somebody else's space. And so for me, it's like some of my top agency partners are working with some of our competitors and that's fine. I think there's enough work out there in the space to kind of warrant that to be okay and to be able to still partner together. And I, I have friends that work at some of our competitors and that's okay too. I, I support them as best as I can and you know, as needed. And I think you just have to look at it as, as The best friend kind of wins, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right? How can you provide again more value to that partner that you know works with different ecosystems, different platforms to get them to think about you more frequently? What is it you have to do? Kind of, is it more cadences? Is it, you know, more value out as far as sending deals to them? Like, what is more important to this partner to get out of this relationship that they want to work with us more than they want to work with the other guy? And in some cases, we've had a few agencies come and say, we'll, we'll work exclusively with you. And that's, I'm not incentivizing that. I'm not, you know, pushing them by any means, you know, we have a good product. It speaks for itself and, you know, hopefully myself and my team do a really good job of building that relationship and, you know, made the best man win.
1: Well, I want to address that issue of exclusivity because there's plenty of people that will do it. Um, you know, we see, we do a lot of work with, um, sort of managed service providers in the Microsoft ecosystem. And you know if, if you're representing and doing sort of managed services for Microsoft products, I mean, there's an enormous market for that, right? And so in any different industry, you'll say like, we just do Microsoft or we just do Tableau or we just do Eloqua, whatever that is. And there's a solid business for that. How do you think about sort of exclusivity versus playing multiple sides, both inbound and outbound from a partner standpoint? Are there advantages to one approach versus the other? And if there is, like, what are some of the criteria and variables you would look at to try to make that decision?
2: Yeah, so there's there's certain things to look at. I think if, so if I've got partner X who's working exclusively with Terminus, then chances are they're going to know Terminus inside and out. I can think of a couple of partners in the Terminus ecosystem that are exclusive Terminus partners. They use Terminus, they know Terminus. In some cases, they know Terminus better than some of Terminus knows Terminus. Mm -hmm. You know, say they invest all their time, energy, and resources into our platform to make it succeed for their customers. So they're the partners that will perhaps get some of the services sent out to. They're the partners that can come in and provide a lot of value on the product from that third party resource. They're the partners that we can go to and we need someone to fix a problem for a partner that we're not going to solve in-house. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think the value in you know, that exclusivity comes in them being that trusted expert partner.
1: Got just a few more minutes here with our guest today on Sales Pipeline Radio, Jason Yarborough, who runs partner marketing, the partner ecosystem for Terminus. Let's talk a little bit about the ABM space. I think it's certainly grown exponentially over the last few years. And I wonder if we're now to the point where it's no longer really ABM. It's just it's how we do marketing. It's how we do go to market. And I almost don't want to say it's how we do marketing because it's sort of one of the things I don't like about ABM is that marketing is in the name. This isn't a marketing initiative. This is a go-to-market effort, right? Absolutely, I feel like this has now become table stakes. This approach has become, an account-based approach has become table stakes for companies that are in complex selling environments. How is Terminus thinking about that and where do you think that that's going to go?
2: I think you're 100% right. It's, it's, it's how we do... B2B marketing. I think it's probably how we've done B2B marketing for quite some time. It just now has a fancy abbreviation to go along with it. But we 100% are addressing it as kind of the go-to-market solution. And I like what some of our team says and specifically, you know, Brian Wade on our team, he he says, ABM is sales and marketing. It's not just marketing because ABM doesn't work if you don't have alignment between sales and marketing. So it is sales and marketing. And we think about it now as ABM is instead of just being that top of funnel where it's now full funnel. That's how how we're approaching, you know, from, you know, introducing terminus ads at full funnel to sales engagement, to closing deals, to rinse, watch, repeat, to retaining your current customers and running ABM through your current customers, you know, so you've got to think about all these different factors that are coming into play in in ABM now. You got data, it's, ABM's now multi-channel. It's no longer just, just ads people think of it as it's, you know, how are you reporting on this and proving the work and optimizing and how are you generating the revenue and, before even that, how are you even targeting the right companies to, to do all this with? So that's why we look at our product as like a full funnel approach to ABM.
1: Well, let's pivot again to get to the real meat of the conversation, full pun intended. So you are a new proud owner of a Weber Smoky
2: Mountain. That's uh, correct.
1: And if, for those of you that are the unbarbecue initiated, initiate, the Weber Smoky Mountain, basically it's a giant black pill-sized smoker Imagine if you took like a Weber kettle and put like a giant cylinder in the middle and between the bottom and the top, you know, that's basically what Jason now has. So talk a little bit about either some things that you have tried. What are some things you're looking for? Like what's going to be on this Weber Smoky Mountain here in the near future in the Yarborough household?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, good timing. Unfortunately, I've had a few series of circumstances that have not allowed me to test it out yet. It is assembled and on the patio. However, tomorrow, I hope to do some chicken thighs, uh, yep. Saturday, some prime rib. And Monday might get crazy and do some elk ribs because we live in Montana. I've got a freezer full of elk. That
1: is a very fast escalation from. Starting I
2: went. Out. I went from intermediate to advanced in like three days, man. I
1: mean, you, you <laughs> might you might as well just do a full on. You know, either do a whole hog barbecue or just go right to brisket. And you're getting into the into the uh, the intermediate zone pretty quickly here. But
2: um, I'm going to have it. to repay your favor of sending us bacon for. Uh, I've got some elk in the the freezer that. I'm but, going to attempt to make some jerky with, so maybe I'll send you some of to
1: that. smoke bacon for elk anytime, yes, Paul.
0: Well, you know, I live here in Southern California, and I'm wondering if you're going to do a little tofu, gotta to have a little tofu on there.
1: I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to come up with a woody comeback, and I think you got the right one. But, <laughs> a
2: what? Well, I think that was. That would, that would burn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can use it for like, I think you can use that for, for, for grease. Yeah. For a starter. For some starter. Yeah, get the charcoals right. lit.
0: I don't know. A lot I, of tofu eaters had, I here. I have
1: not tried to, I have not had the opportunity to cook elk here. I will say, you know, my advice to any sort of new barbecue folks are start with chicken and pork butt, right? Because they're very forgiving. But, like you okay. can smoke a chicken, like smoking a half chicken especially if you marinate it in advance whether it's just a dry marinade or whether you there's a adobo codobo I think I'm, I'm totally mispronouncing it but it's like a it's yep. like a blood orange marinade you can get from like the Hispanic uh, and Latin uh, supermarkets
0: I got to so, tell you guys yeah. I've smoked lots of things I've never smoked a pork's butt so that's all I can tell you
1: Well as it's, sh- it's part of the shoulder uh, <laughs> Paul thanks for I'm just going to try to elevate. Do you
0: roll it or how do, how does it does it light well or
1: well, we had, we had, we had, we had uh, ABM virgins or one night stands. <laughs> for, um, we're just, we're covering all the bases here. Okay. No, That pork, pork shoulder, it's just, it's really hard to screw it up because part of the goal is it's going to take, like, you got a good size, like 10, 12 pound pork shoulder at 225, 250, it's going to take a good 10, 12 plus hours. And the rule of thumb is like once it gets to about 190, you want to let it sit there for a while. So it's going to self-based, it's going to keep its moisture. If you keep it on for 24 hours, you're screwed, but like it's, there's a higher margin of error if you're doing the portrait.
0: Jason, would you try and t- let him in on the joke that in Southern California, smoking something has a whole different connotation <laughs> than what he's thinking I, about here.
2: I, I knew where you were at. <laughs> so I, will,
1: I, will, my, I know we my, only got a couple more minutes. Someone once got me, and this is this is this <laughs> speaks to either my my SoCal pop culture or more my marijuana <laughs> naivete. Um, they, I got, I, someone got me a, an apron yeah. that said smoke meat every day. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not get the joke for a very long time. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, that's a great idea. I love, I love smoking meat. And then I finally, like happened to be in the car. I was listening to that song at the very oh, oh, yes. oh I'm gonna, yes i'm
0: gonna get paul it's when drive, man, i that's <laughs> <rip> it. <laughs> no, okay well, well got, everybody a, to different different strokes for different folks here that's all i can say
2: i got a freezer full of elk uh paul and matt does it
0: taste like, it, like chicken everybody says everything that isn't chicken tastes like chicken alligator yeah. tastes like chicken uh whatever i don't know. everybody just says alligator it kind of like,
2: does yeah it's more like it's more like uh beef i would say more like beef oh. we do a lot of it here was it, it to...
1: a little more gamey. So I've not cooked elk, but I've had elk. We have a um, we have a friend who's a federal biologist, and uh, he does a lot of hunting. And um, we have occasionally done bacon for elk sausage trades. Elk sausage is phenomenal.
2: So good. I'm gonna send you some. I gotta figure out your method of uh mailing frozen meat, but I'll figure it we'll, out and we'll send figure, you some. We'll
1: figure it out. We'll figure it out. Well, this has been a lot of fun. We've gone clearly a very few a bunch of directions.
0: <laughs> I I'm good for it. <laughs> From a one night stand to a one uh, yeah, to smoke and the, all sorts the, of stuff here. The yeah.
1: Dating lives of partner ecosystems. Well, if you're still listening, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on another fun episode of Sales Pipe on Radio. Thank you, Jason Yarborough, uh, Terminus, uh, for joining us today. Good luck this year in the new gig. Good luck with the new baby in the new house of all the new things. Uh, it's a new year, so we're all doing it. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. On behalf of my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Hines. Thanks for joining us on another eventful episode of Sales Pipeline Radio.
0: And with that, we wrap up another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio right here on the Funnel Radio channel for network listeners like you.